Oh god. I mean, we were talking offline about this. I mean, you are you going to be getting the base base model or the slightly less about that base model? <laughs> I was like I was legitimately just like, you know what? I'm going to see if the Apple Watch is like 1500 for gold. I was like seriously considering it. Mm. But at the same time, it all depends on the rumor of the internals being swappable, which as I've seen as of yet, they are not from what I've I'm not saying I have inside sources. I saw a tweet by Mark Gurman saying they aren't, and he said it, it was like a subtle tweet to someone else. So I don't think the internals are going to be upgradable, especially since I don't know. But the I th- I'm going to go for the, just the Apple Watch version, just so it's like the middle tier, I guess. That's apparently from five hundred or seven hundred dollars, which isn't bad for a high end watch. And I'll just get it in space gray to match my iPhone. That makes sense. I mean, looking at the uh, like steel versions that the middle tier are, like they look my favorite. They they look my favorite. They look the nicest, and that one is my favorite. But um, yeah, I, I I can't imagine owning an Apple Watch. Like especially like the Pebble's been fine for my needs. Uh, the only thing that I wish the uh, that I wish the Apple Watch did different from my Pebble was uh, uh, a microphone, which is what the Pebble Time has just corrected, and I just backed it. So yeah. Oh, you did back it? So my brother, I, he's like a really big Pebble kid. Uh, he develops for it. He, um, oh wow. Uh, he uh, words. Mm. He makes the apps. He makes apps. He has like three Pebbles already. So he went to get the time uh, getting on on that. So uh, I'm the one with the Kickstarter account and the credit card. So I got it for mm. him. <laughs> oh, nice. He owes me. <laughs> They're at as we speak right now, and I don't want to know like. How much it's going to increase by the time this is released or whatever, but um, it's at it's it's at ten million five hundred thousand dollars, and it has twenty nine days left. Oh my god! Like it's right up there, right after exploding kittens, which is kind of funny, but it's just it's it's been going forever, and I think it really I think it reached its goal of five hundred thousand in like seventeen minutes. Mm-hmm. Five hundred seventeen. See, so yeah, in seventeen minutes, that's like basically one point seven million dollars an hour. Oh my but, god! But it's obviously been slowing down. But it's like the, on the Kickstarter's most funded pages right now. It's the f- most funded is the weird cooler thing that I never even heard of before. Yeah, me neither. And I never like saw that in the news ever. So I guess it was just absent from tech Twitter. But <laughs> um, and then Pebble Time, and then the original Pebble, and then Exploding Kittens, America, everyone. Yeah, mm. I mean. Cool. Uh, on uh, Clockwise this week, they talked about Kickstarter as like it's not a store, but it people treat it like it is. Like when I uh, backed it, I was surprised when it said, "Okay, how much would you like to uh, would you like to pledge?" And I was like, "Okay, just one seventy nine to get the Pebble Time." And I said, "Okay, uh, what else do you want to pledge?" No, just the one seventy nine. You sure you don't <laughs> want to throw in another twenty bucks? No, no, that's good. That's good. Like I, I can't imagine anybody like going outside of one of the tiers like if there's a tier for twenty dollars and a tier for thirty dollars hypothetically why would you pledge 25 because like you're pledging more than the 20 but you're only getting that amount so like it quick kickstarter is a store they need to embrace that yeah it's it is weird like doing that and backing it because like you can pledge a little bit more and i don't know how many like how much the backer i mean the project maker would see that like oh i paid twenty dollars more give me mine first or something but yeah, it's kind of weird how they always say like, "Oh, it's not really a store," but so many projects and so many things treat it like a store, and 
it shows, especially when people complain that their product is either very crappy or it's a year and a half later and their project product is still not there. And they just like fail on delivery. But Yeah, that's a bit of a problem. I've actually admittedly the only Kickstars I've ever backed are Pebble and Exploding Kittens, so I've never really had that much of a, you know, problem with it, but I can imagine uh, like have you ever had a Kickstarter gone bad? See, I've only backed um a while back, my first Kickstarter, my one of my friends was making just a documentary that he needed some money for, so it wasn't like in the tens of thousands of range. So I gave like twenty bucks to it, and I just did that as a kind of generous donation towards him. Um, but the other ones I've backed are Flag, which was a photo. It's like a photo printing service, and here we are a year later, and it still has yet to deliver. Um, so, but that was only twenty bucks. And then I backed uh, another video from this online series called Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, which is a fun, weird, <laughs> very super like Uncanny Valley video series. And they've delivered so far, and then Exploding Kittens. So the only one I've had a problem with is the physical one, which was, well, physical and an app, because it's an app that you add photos to, and then it prints them for free because it puts like pretty nice ads on the back. I don't know, something like that. But I'm just like, free photo printing. Okay, sure, I'll pay 20 bucks for that. But here we are a year later, and there's been like so many updates from this person. Like, I think they're on update like 20-something now. Let's see. They're yeah, on those update. update emails are incessant. He's on update 33. Uh-uh. And this person, like, they, were, they originally um, had estimated that it would be delivered in July of 2014. Um... They pissed off a lot of backers because in one of their updates, they promoted another Kickstarter. Oh. And it made a lot of people mad. Like some people, like even I'm like, okay, if you're going to do this, please take my money, refund my money. But they were like, while you wait for our next big update, this is back in, I think, November. No, yeah, November. While you wait for our next update, our big one, here's something else to check out. Launched today from London. Moose case is an iPhone case with integrated earbud storage. Amazingly cheap. And people, there was 29 comments and some of them were just, people were like, I've been waiting for this project. I don't expect the last update to be another project. I've been patient and here we are six months later and you still haven't delivered. I thought I'd pile on, but I've decided against it. I figured that was about the least helpful update imaginable. <laughs> and so there's all these like little things and it's not, it's not a big project or anything, but they are almost a year, like, past schedule because they said they were going to deliver in july of last year and they were funded in february of last year so wow yeah That's thankfully I, yeah thankfully i didn't put a lot of money into it but it was just like okay 33 updates how many do you need <laughs> has anybody told kickstarter <clears throat> that green is not a creative color <laughs> apparently not mm. every hilarious. time i go on their website it's like okay i mean yeah green is you know money but it's also not a creative color at all I love that movie series. It is one of my favorite things. Like it, that's one of those things that you know I show people when I meet them, and <laughs> if they can't handle it, then mm. it's like your elimination thing. It's like, do you like this? Like it <laughs> or something? Separate the wheat from the chaff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like that was made genuinely with like, um, uh, with the intention of like kind of freaking people out. But have you ever seen? Um, fantastic hey 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 i have not it is another thing pull it up now i want to like get your reaction live to it um it is it, it, you surprise yourself let's uh pull that up and uh see what you think 
I'm con- I'm concerned. So fantastic, hey, hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Okay, come on, Safari. Oh. Okay, then. <laughs> Having fun? It reminds me of when you use Terminal to make your Mac sing. Oh. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. That's creepy. Yeah, you can use, like, the Mac voices to make it sing. It's pretty insane. Wow. My favorite thing about this is that I have no idea why it exists. <laughs> it's like it just... It's just like all great internet videos. <laughs> it's like, who, who in their right mind is filming this, thinking it's something worth sharing, thinking that, you know, a sweater makes this creepy thing look good, and it's like... Wait, oh my gosh. I think... I think I have a sweater that looks like this one. Hold on. Where'd it go? I mean, like... <laughs> oh, but it looks good on you. I have a sweater that looks like this, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you hear it here first. Kyle's the Grey is an android uh, singing Shh. creepily into uh, its microphone, uh, which makes sense because it has spawned uh, numerous other Twitter androids uh, in the form of ebook accounts. Those have gotten out of control. Those have... Mm. I've tried to make one... I'm working on making Joe Steele's um, just fave everything and anything that's directed towards it. Or even, like, if it mentions Joe Steele, then the bot just goes and faves it. It's a work in progress. (laughs) (laughs) How do you do that? Are you, Um, like, are you okay? Do you want a hug? (laughs) (laughs) Do I? No, I just sit there the whole time, and I I actually have log in that account, and then I just go fave everything. Mm. No, it's, it's, (laughs) (laughs) it's basically a project written in Ruby that accesses Twitter's API, and I didn't write the whole thing. It's, it's mainly based off of this one project called Misby eBooks that helps all the jargon nonsense or whatever. And so I just build on top of that and then make the accounts. Mm. So it's it's pretty straightforward once you've done it. But now trying to make it do different things is a little bit harder for me since I'm not too knowledgeable about Ruby coding. Right, right. Or even the um, libraries I'm using. <laughs> but it's interesting and it's fun. Yeah, I mean, I would like to point out that we are now an accidental tech podcast. <laughs> do we need to like play the stinger right there? Uh Insert here. Okay, uh, perfect. Got it. <laughs> I, I wrote this down in my mental mind. <laughs> I, I so I, I'm such a pro podcasters. I don't have my field notes out. I don't have my stand for my mic. I'm just holding it in my hand. I don't have my pop filter, so my plosives are very plosivey today. Um, <laughs> hopefully, I can edit this in post. Uh, post. post. <laughs> that was really loud. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> post plosive. Explosion. No, um, okay, um, Brian. <laughs> so next topic. Good segue. <laughs> um, in the time in it's seconds. taken. Um, uh, so last week we talked about Birdman and how we wanted to delve uh, not that deep into it, but we wanted to talk about it at least um, in the week since. It won like all the Academy Awards. Everything it literally won, the and even a Lego Oscar. I think Emma Stone got a Lego Oscar. Mm, yeah, she did. There's a wonderful so, gif of her holding it. I didn't make that Twitter account. Uh, 
Mm. Uh, when did you last see it? It was like last week sometime? Um, yeah, I saw it, yeah, I rewatched a little bit of it earlier this week, and then I saw it when I actually bought it on iTunes a few Ooh. weeks ago, and then, so I watched it last week after our podcast, and then I just um, kind of recapped over it this week, and like as a movie, as a pure movie standpoint, because I'm not, I'm not a film student, I'm not a plot or story analyzer or anything, I think it's a great movie. Mm. And just like, and one thing I pointed out, um, I think I was talking with some coworkers about this, is there's this musical, I mean, I started, I, I used to do musicals when I was a kid, and one of the musicals we were in is called Curtains. And just kind of some plot elements and the way it was designed this movie reminded me of Curtains. So the premise of Curtains is basically it's a musical about a musical production. And so it's kind of like Birdman where it's a movie about a musical produ- uh, production by this movie star who's like formerly famous and wants to not so much overwrite his fame but try to let, not let his previous fame kind of overshadow his current projects. Just like that could be said very much about any actor in Hollywood where – Maybe some awesome director or someone, I'm not going to name names because I'm terrible at it, but like some awesome director (laughs) or someone like that was in a movie once or that was in a good singing, like a good musical or something, they're very much overshadowed by their previous work. So like Disney stars will go into something like, yeah, this Disney star did this and it was terrible. Or if like people will criticize and compare you to your last work. And I could go broader and say that's about any artist like bands, music, um, actual app musicals, developers. app developers. <laughs> so, but the premise with Curtains is um, it's a bunch of people getting together, but it turns more into a murder mystery where these people in the play that you are watching are trying to put on a new play, but people keep on dying because of a jealous slash person that wanted the lead role. So it's kind of a little bit more um, meta than Birdman mm-hmm. in that sense. But it just it just reminded me of the kind of in inceptiony feel inception um of having a play or a musical within a musical or a movie so i i really liked how it kind of did that it just like the it made it enjoyable because it's like a behind the scenes of a play that you don't usually see in broadway yeah i mean uh when it comes to curtains i've never heard of it is it modern or old, like golden age like what when was it written I believe it's relatively new. I think it came out in the 90s. Hmm. I think. I can't think of any good like 90s musicals. Because all I can think of when it comes to musicals are like golden age classic musicals and then like stuff from today. Lion King. Mm, Lion King. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Actually, most of the Disney stuff like was written in the 90s. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean. I, I was, was actually wrong. Um, sorry. It came out in 2006. So it's oh. more recent than that. Wait, when you were a kid, you did. How old were you? I was fifteen. Oh, I think doing this one. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, with Birdman, like it becomes, I I feel like it's not as meta as something like Curtains is because it's not the same medium. Uh, it's very it breaks so many walls in terms of film because you know you get the uh, you know the single shot, the drummer kind of popping up randomly. You get um, oh yeah. A whole bunch of stuff like that that reminds you that you're watching a movie and breaks those kind of conventions. But I wouldn't call it quote unquote meta just because of um, uh, it's not the same medium that it's like a part of. Uh, I do like the um, 
the way that it deals with uh, internet video and, you know, going viral, quote unquote. And I feel like in any other movie, it would feel ham-fisted that they use like the term going viral so much. Oh, yeah. Emma, Emma Stone's speech about that, like, it kind of hit me hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could probably We could probably link to that scene. But basically, she gives a powerful speech about how, I mean, it kind of hits you hard in a negative way, but it's also kind of, I find, I try to find a positive in it a little bit, just saying how, like, how far we can communicate in this world today and how even though we may be some random kid in a random college class, but we're tweeting about llamas and making funny jokes and hundreds of other people are seeing them, you're just, I mean, you're kind of becoming more relevant in her sense. But it's just we're all trying to find, this is getting really deep, but we're all trying to find our purpose and trying to matter somewhere. Yeah, Um Especially now that, you know, so in the movie, Emma Stone is uh, Michael Keaton's daughter who is uh, brought in to help out with um, with the play and uh, with his kind of career. She's almost like his assistant. And the uh, this one powerful speech, which I think was actually both of their like clips for their Academy Award and now uh, nominated for Best Actor, Michael Keaton. And they show that scene and uh, Best Supporting Actress, Emma Stone. They show that scene like it was a mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful scene. Um, the disconnect between them is so generational. And I guess the best way the movie could show that was uh the way they embraced media uh riggan thompson uh, michael keaton's character is so wrapped up in the uh big hollywood machine from i don't know how many years ago he stopped after what birdman 3 and that was i don't know how many years before like he had to have been if the batman analog is as strong as it is like in you know real life i'm sure it had to have been back in the 80s or something or 90s that he uh played birdman so the difference between the way they consume media is so pronounced that it's like it's the best way to show how their relationship is uh you know kind of devolving and how different they are as people uh she talks at one point talking to edward norton about how he wasn't that good of a father you know so that's Mm -hmm this is probably the best way the movie could show how they uh, are so different. But that, that blew my mind in the way that uh, you're right. I think because her character is so, um, uh, so cynical, you know, she's have rehab. She's trying to deal with uh, not smoking pot or cigarettes or uh, I, I guess it was harder. Uh, and then from there, she's trying to find like a purpose per se, like how she'll, she'll go up on the roof and kind of sit on the edge and say, and she said to, um, to Edward Norton, uh, Edward Norton, um, saying like, this is the only rush I need a rush I can get. And this is the only place I can really get a rush because I'm, I'm trying to go clean from drugs. Yeah. Like I'm nowhere near as positive as you are about that speech just because she's so cynical in the movie. Um, I do agree that like, you know, media, social media, all technology, we have a computer in our pockets. That's X amount of times more powerful than the freaking Apollo lunar module. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. um, that's all such a positive. And this movie makes it so negative because it is all from, uh, uh, from Michael Keaton's perspective. So it's going to be negative when it portrays that. Um, I feel like because the movie focuses so much on him and so much of the movie is a half spoiler alert in his head that this kind of negativity about media is the only way we're going to see it in this movie. I feel like if this was Emma Stone's movie, it would be a mumblecore, you know, kind of drab comedy. Yeah, I think it would be something more along the lines of she's just like not wanting to deal with this thing or how crazy her father really is and then kind of the absence of him as her as she was growing up and her just trying to find like someone to depend on 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it would be so different. Like the way that the dialogue is so deft and fast and everything's moving. There's no like boring moment in this movie. Nothing is just standing still. Um, like that would not be at all in Emma Stone's movie. And another thing about this movie that I really just kind of liked is I could, I could feel from the get go, there are things that I could watch it again and kind of re-realize or notice. And just because, just because it is so fast paced that there are little things like, I mean, some of them are more obvious, like the drummer in the background, but you could see things like the soundtrack very much tying in with the progress of the story or how just how you realize what may be in his head and what may not be in his head throughout the movie. So I think just like from that standpoint, from entertainment, I think it's a really great movie. Oh yeah, me too. This was one of my favorite movies. I think my favorite movie of last year, and this is the first time in many years that uh, how I feel about the year's movies and how the Academy feels about this year's movies lines up. Yeah. I, I know. I noticed a lot of people were calling out just like, why is Birdman winning any awards? And, blah, 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 this about the story. And I just think like, again, I'm not an expert by any means at all, but I think it was really good acting. I think the story was different and weird, but I still think it was a great story. But there are a lot of people that seem to think that, oh, this movie wasn't really that great or this is kind of terrible movie or something like that. Like I, I keep on seeing banter on Twitter about it, which is kind of interesting. I saw nothing negative about Birdman for actually i don't think ever i haven't seen a single person not like that movie because uh, i i feel like I, I love this movie so much i saw it before it came out i wrote a review of it i fell in love with it so hard um i didn't think like i, I hadn't seen any negative uh, criticism of it whatsoever uh and i'm really amazed that these people are just now coming out of the woodwork to say oh god birdman it's such a bad movie and i even Joe, like he was tweeting about, it. he hated it. <laughs> um, okay. I don't know yeah. when uh, Defocused is coming out about Birdman, but I thought, okay. I thought, um, uh, I thought this movie was brilliant and really, really important uh, to boot, just because this is so different from uh, Inaritu's older work, which is so much more like uh, dark, depressing, even more depressing than this. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think it's uh, this is a movie people are going to be talking about for a long, long, long time. And another, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I agree with what you said where people recently seem to be coming about how much, how much they don't like it or how much they seem to not enjoy it. But I actually saw it. Like, I wanted to see it. Like, I'm just like, okay, I need to find a movie to watch. And so I was just looking around on iTunes and I'm like, Birdman. I remember some people talking about that. And I searched a lot online and all I saw was positive things like a few random people on Twitter or a few reviews. And I, because I had seen it mentioned in passing and just kind of like, had it in the back of my head but then i realized like i saw all these people praise them like okay this has to be a good movie and it was I, no i'm really glad you liked it like this movie was something that i was really passionate about i so did you watch the oscars i actually didn't mm. I, don't, I don't have cable and i was kind of i think i was i don't know what i was doing at the time i think it was just casually following along on twitter but i probably was doing homework <laughs> yeah I probably, that, that makes sense you yeah, do that sometimes. I, I do. <laughs> so, um, all right, I'll go in a little bit of a rant about it for a second. But uh, so the Oscars terrified me this year because I was really scared American Sniper was going to win. Oh, um, did you see it? No, I, I refused to see that movie. So, well, not refuse. I just I, I don't want to get political about it. But at the same time, it just seems like I, I don't. 
political stand point like thing I only stand for is I don't see the point in praising people that are going around killing people. That like, makes no, sense. Yeah. That makes sense. It feels like um, my favorite criticism of it was uh, Seth Rogen on Twitter said that oh, yeah. uh, American Sniper reminded him of the movie they watch at the end of Inglorious Bastards. Hmm. Where, um, you know, in the movie, have you seen Inglorious Bastards? Sorry, I haven't. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's okay. No, this isn't a spoiler. This is like the, the yeah, main like point of the movie. So um, it's a bunch of uh, Nazis and uh, Nazi officers uh, under Hitler's Third Reich. Uh, watching a uh, movie directed by Goebbels uh, that gets a big premiere in Paris. Uh, and it's about this guy that was, uh, it, it's actually a sniper hanging out and, um, you know, shooting people from a crow's nest. And, um, you know, they're all cheering every time he kills someone. And uh, the movie goes into much more depth about it. But American Sniper feels like the American version of that, where it's like we're cheering for a guy who's, you know, killing everybody and doing all this stuff. And I thought the movie was decent uh it was it had the best pacing not even no not pacing it had the best um uh i can't think of a word for it It just held my attention more than other movies of that genre like black hawk down uh jarhead uh saving private ryan is probably my favorite of those even it's a world war ii movie like i can't think of any other modern uh war movies of that vein that held my attention uh as long as american sniper did uh no hurt locker duh how did i forget that um yeah. My favorite of those modern war movies, but I was so scared it would win because it felt right up the Academy's alley. Um, you know, politically, you're right. I didn't support it whatsoever. Um, I thought it had a lot of problems with, um, you know, how it depicted things. I mean, there's this uh, article actually Joe shared on Twitter that was um, an anonymous Academy voter uh, voting for... Um, uh, like talking about why they voted for what they voted for uh, this year's Academy Awards. And mm-hmm. they said uh, they were responding to, you know, how white this year's Academy Awards were because, oh, my God, they were so, so like yeah. diversity is a huge problem in uh, Hollywood. But they were talking Everywhere. about um, <laughs> but... uh, they're talking about like, yeah, I want to vote for Selma, but it's not that good. And come on, am I supposed to vote for it if it's not that good just because there's black people in it? Like it, it's a horribly offensive interview. But um, then they're. Uh, uh, their reasoning for voting for American Sniper was because, yeah, so this movie, um, it's exactly what we want to see. It's an 85-year-old guy making a movie that is a uh, big blockbuster success with all these things. Like, it made so much money, blah, 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 blah. Like, so Selma isn't enough art for you, but the yeah. reason that you're voting for American Sniper is is not art. Like, it's, it's yeah. so many problems. See, my my main thing, like, it's almost like with American Sniper, and granted, disclaimer, I haven't seen it yet, and I, I probably will eventually down the road, but um, my biggest thing is it just seems like a movie that I would probably rather prefer, prefer if we saw if we made it like 20, 10, 20 years in the future when we have more retrospect than rather than when we still have troops over there and everything. Mm-hmm. And it just seems, I mean, it's not doesn't seem as much as a war movie as Saving Private Ryan or Black Hawk Down because it's... I mean, it's not so much of a war. He's a sniper just picking off people that may, I mean, I don't know. Because I just, I feel I don't want to get into the politics behind it at all. And that's that's another thing. It just seems to be way too politically driven. And You are so right. It is extremely it, political. And it's just kind of like a little bit of a, hey, look at us. We want this war and we're saving lives from this. And it's just like. It doesn't seem as much as a good war, like, I hate saying, like, good war movie is something that 
like a conflict uh, like the Civil War or the Revolutionary War or World War II where there was like two sides and everyone was like kind of going against each other and everything. And it just seems more of a, oh, this poor guy had to internally struggle with who to pick off and if they were innocent citizens and if that kid had a bomb or not or something like that when it just seemed it just seemed too much pro-war than something that you look back at like World War II or Pearl Harbor or something. You're right, because, you know, hindsight is 2020. This is a war that's still happening, still like things are still happening over in the Middle East. And with something like uh, you know, those other movies uh, that we all mentioned, we you know, can look back and see, OK, this is a war that's happening and this is the context. There's no context for this because we're still in the middle of it. It's almost like there's this Charlie Chaplin movie called uh, The Great Dictator made in. Uh, uh, it was early in Hitler's reign. I don't think it was when uh, uh, I don't think it, World War Two had started yet, but it was. Um, uh, you know, Hitler was in power and it was a movie making fun of Hitler. And I feel like, you know, something made then, it had none of the context that we can look back and see today. It's a wonderful movie. It's hilarious. But there's like, there's so much that it misses just because it's, uh, you know, it was made when it was made. It was, yeah, it, like, it's almost like, it's almost like saying that like something like you can go back to like those old Disney cartoons that were kind of like a propaganda for the war back then or the old um, Looney Tunes where they were like, making a joke out of Hitler like you said and it just seemed like those are nothing more than propaganda at the time and this almost seems like a propaganda piece mm -hmm. but in not in again it's about political sides but it doesn't seem like one in a good way just the way how it's how it's being portrayed how some people feel after the movies and how just it just doesn't seem like the right way to do it if anything yeah. Um, okay. I'm gonna see if I can take all these thoughts I'm having about American Sniper now and reel them into like a minute long rant. So okay. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. And go. So the um, when it comes to the structure of the movie, it's so focused on him. It's a very personal, character-driven piece. Um, it's problematic in the way that it's structured because uh, he goes on a bunch of tours and comes back. And it has the same thing that um, Hurt Locker has where, um, you know, he and almost all, you know, war movies like this uh, that mm -hmm. focuses on a single person. He goes to war, comes back, he's changed. He doesn't fit into normal society anymore. He goes okay. back over to uh, the Middle East and keeps fighting. And it's almost structured like a video game. There's levels almost oh my where... Gosh. Um, yeah, yeah, like, uh, I forget, I don't know how long exactly it is into the movie, but he, he's growing up, he's a kid, he, 9-11 uh, uh, happens. Uh, that's another thing, I f always feel like it's oh. a cheap punch to show the Twin Towers footage, as horrible as it is, like, to use it as a plot device in a movie, I don't think it works. That, uh, mm. Yeah, that's like, I mean, again, it's the whole, it's it's kind of the whole political thing that you can see there, but again, it's just like blaming, like, putting something like that, it's, again, so recent in our minds, like, if you show something, it's just, the main problem is just how it's happening in current time and it's how almost too tongue-in-cheek about the current time things. But, I mean, 9-11 is still, like, very, very recent and it's, like, not a topic to be used almost still. Exactly. Um, so a lot of the movie has that problem where it um, it's so heavy-handed and so, like, over... Um, it's so overly dramatized that it's almost hard to take seriously. It's almost soap opera -y in a way where you feel for this guy in these bizarre ways that I don't think anyone should look. Like. So with the disclaimer that like I definitely you know respect people that go out to you know risk their lives for oh, yeah. our country, the problem is um, like 
celebrating this kind of death and this kind of uh, attitude. He's a horrible person. Like, <laughs> there's, A, the movie is so problematic in uh, its depiction of women and depiction of, uh, you know, the people surrounding him in his life. Um, what, why Chris Kyle was important, in addition to, you know, being the, you know, top most, uh, like, the person in the military with the most uh, recorded kills, uh, yeah. the main reason he's so important was his activism for uh, veterans and uh, people with uh, PTSD uh, after the army, uh, after, they come, uh, after they came home. That's why, like, he has the legacy he does now. Uh, and the movie glosses over that. Like, it's, it's a part of the movie at the end, but it's so minimal compared to the fact that we just spent two hours watching this guy kill a bunch of people that no no uh so i was scared it would win best picture because it feels right up his uh right up the academy's alley but it i'm so glad birdman won (laughs) yeah i'm yeah it's i I feel bad about taking our our podcast to a discussion almost kind of somber as that but yeah i am glad something and like birdman did win because it's 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 a movie. It's an original story. It's not like something that's retold or repackaged to deliver a certain message per se. Or although it is delivering a message, I just think. I mean, regardless of all the movies this year, I think Birdman has just such a unique story to it that kind of sticks with you a lot more than something that's just like a historical fiction of something that happened six months ago or a year ago or whenever those trials and other things were. And I think that I think fiction just as creative as Birdman should always win. I definitely agree. I mean, there's always, you know, the biopics and the historical things that are going to win or be nominated for Oscars. Hang on a second. So uh, we, in Boston, we haven't had recycling taken out in, or garbage (laughs) taken out in weeks. Uh So we ended up, you know, taking all of our recycling out, taking all our recycling out. (laughs) We have... A really upsetting backlog of recycling in our apartment. Um, it is. I need a picture of this for the show notes. Nope, nope, nope. There will be no pictures <laughs> of this for any show notes ever. Hey, you're saving the environment. You should be proud. No, I'm so proud of saving the environment. What I'm not proud of is saving our apartment from, you know, horrible clutter. What were we talking about? Soda cans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we have the imitation game. We have the theory of everything are like the two big movies that were like based on big historical things. Uh, I had no interest in seeing the theory of everything when it came out. Um, and then it was nominated for best picture. I was like, Oh, I should probably see this. And then, uh, Eddie Redmayne won best actor for his portrayal of Hawking. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that, that's amazing actually. Um, yeah, it was, it was amazing to see uh, all the original stuff happening at the Oscars this year. Grand Budapest won so much. Oh yeah, yeah. That I mean, again, I, I've still my backlog of movies I haven't seen, but like, Grand Budapest is one of the top ones I've heard about, along with the, the, uh, Imitation Game, which are both movies I've been trying to see. <laughs> okay, uh, we are going to, uh, play a little game, Kyle. You ready? Make me watch those movies for next week? No. So oh. I'm going to read some movies to you, and I'm going to see if you've seen any of them. Are you ready? Brian, this isn't fair. <laughs> okay. Boyhood. No. Birdman. Yes. The Grand Budapest Hotel. No. The Imitation Game. No. I've seen Big Hero 6. Selma. I need to see that. The Theory of Everything. No. American Sniper. See, this is why I didn't watch the Oscars. <laughs> and Whiplash. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
This is why I didn't watch the Oscars. That that actually makes sense. I've seen all but uh, Theory of Everything. Uh, so, oh, of course, Selma. How did I forget? Selma is uh, uh, another huge like historical movie. Uh, very, very good, mm-hmm. very important. Um, yeah, so th- I'm really glad that um, we get the independent movies like Boyhood, Grand Budapest, Birdman, uh, Whiplash especially. Oh, my God, see Whiplash. It's on iTunes now. It is... Mm-hmm. My favorite of the uh, of all of them. That's not Birdman. Yeah, I, I definitely I, I like Whiplash, Selma, um, Imitation Game are like right up there because again, all those I've heard nothing but good from. And even when I saw the preview of Selma, especially with man, we're going really into current events that have happened lately. Um, I just want to gloss over that kind of, but I think yep. Selma's really important. For yeah, today. no, it's it's very important. Um, like if this movie was made any other time than now, like the way the script is uh, bent slightly, not even bent, like because it's still accurate, but the way that the script is written, uh, it's so like indicative of current events that it's impossible to like just breeze over. Like uh, yeah. when Glory won Best Original Song, um, it was uh, like it was a really really powerful important moment that uh, I, I I'm really happy it won. As much as like everything was awesome was my favorite song, I mm-hmm. just realized like while I was watching the. Uh, the awards that like if everything is awesome a silly little song about freaking legos beats you know a song written for martin luther king yeah that would be a massive problem so like i'm very glad selma won it deserved its win um wow this episode is heavy it is a heavy episode i just noticed that i was like oh this is gonna be great we're gonna talk about birdman and the silly llama chase that happened on twitter today and now we're getting all (laughs) Now we're getting all into serious modern events that I I have strong well relatively strong opinions about, but I don't want to force those or ever think someone needs to have those same opinions as me. It's it's a fun it's a fine line. Mm-hmm. Did um was I am I wrong in thinking that there was like a guy skiing behind all those llamas on Twitter today or it was just a big marketing ploy for Alto's adventure. <laughs> Yeah. Which, if, if if you guys have never played that game yet, Alter's Adventure is a common play on the whole jumping up in the hills like Tiny Wings or Ski Jumper games and everything. But it has such a nice artistic twist to it, and you should buy it. It today. is by far, like, I. it just came out of nowhere, too. Like, I was going through my RSS feed one day, and it literally just exploded all over my, uh, my Did feed. Did you just it open was it? wonderful, maybe. Um, so this game is absolutely delightful you're like skiing behind all these llamas and uh like listen to that peaceful piano music and um like the graphics rival monument valleys <laughs> with their wonderful little um like clips and that super satisfying um like gleam whenever you get the uh the coins and the llamas are super cute because llamas are really cute then you jump and you do backflips and uh, this is quite possibly my new favorite game uh the episode virtual just came out today um the developer of the game is on and uh they uh they talk about it and it's wonderful oh wait i'm doing a backflip i'm trying so hard not to laugh right now and oh look you go so much faster and it got lava they're so cute brian put the game down (laughs) i need to listen to that virtual episode but i've seen i've known snowman the studio um i've known them before because they've made a few like little fun quirky iphone games and apps in the past, but yeah, I remember, I remember seeing some art for this because they on their Twitter account, their Alto's Adventure account, and the Snowman blog, they had posted some teaser stuff about this way back in August, and I remember, I actually remember like seeing that. I'm like, oh, this is a new game that's going to come out soon or something, and 
six months later if it comes out, which kind of shows and attests the whole artistic style and how much work these games cost. I mean, cost. How much work goes into these games like that, this one or Monument Valley. But yeah, back to um, Arizona today. <laughs> to, in the middle of this busy news day, which included the FCC with net neutrality, I'll give my I'll give my hot take. Yippee! Um, <laughs> Apple announcing a watch event that is going to happen on March 9th, which I'm very excited for. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in Arizona, my proud home state, in my in Sun Valley, which is kind of an older area, um, two llamas got loose from I think an owner's house, and suddenly everyone on Twitter was watching the live stream of ABC 15 and rooting for the llamas. <laughs> <laughs> like to escape people were posting screenshots Owen Williams was being speedy and posting gifs like as it was happening and it was just like a whole for 30 minutes the world was at peace <laughs> and following these two llamas on their adventure until they finally got <laughs> captured after running through a ton of traffic of like five intersections and being cornered at least three or four times before finally um, the black uh, the first one black one got caught and then they finally chased the white the Lorenzo white one down by a canal and and the the finishing touch was he lassoed him from the back of a pickup truck to get him. Oh it didn't the hurt llamas. him. It didn't hurt it doesn't the hurt llamas, it's just, Kyle, they're so they, cute. They llamas. couldn't be free, but it was the most American thing ever to have the have like just watching that video clip. I was in my music class and I was just watching this live on my iPad and it was just like successful cheer online of all of Twitter. Well, not cheers <laughs> and dismay online of Twitter as this la as this llama got lassoed. And I'm like, yay, Arizona's finally in the news for a good reason. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about very quickly, uh, or not so quickly, depending on where this goes, uh, mm -hmm. about Arizona being in the news in a somewhat positive light. Uh, <laughs> uh, are you anywhere near Scottsdale, Arizona? Yeah, well, yeah, my hometown, it, Gilbert, Gilbert is right next to Scottsdale. My hometown is Gilbert, so it's it goes like Scottsdale a little bit south is um, Mesa, and then a little bit south is Gilbert. So oh, so so there's a restaurant there that um, it's called Amy's Baking Company. Oh no, have you heard of this? I am familiar with this one. Oh, I think you're familiar with this. Oh no, why? Meow, this, meow. This, this was a meow. few years ago. I completely I'm, forgot about it until I'm trying uh, to look past this. I uh, tried. I am. Oh God, this. <laughs> I remember okay, when this for happened. The, for, the, for those not familiar, I've actually never <laughs> been to this restaurant. Thank goodness, but I've been to restaurants that maybe are somewhat terrible down in Arizona. Brian, while well, Brian is over there dying, so is it? Is it Kitchens? What's the show called? <laughs> Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon. Kitchen Ramsay. Nightmares. So it's Gordon Ramsay, obviously. Who else would it be? And he goes around and basically. You get, I think he just chooses restaurants that are apparently terrible by customer reviews and official reviews and stuff like that. And he goes and tries to fix them. And he goes to this one in Scottsdale, Arizona called Amy's Bake... bake Amy's bake, Baking Company. Baking Company. Yes. And he ABC. finds out that it is just... It's easy as one, two, three. No. It, don't, don't, don't shame Michael Jackson. Um, and it is just... It was just like the worst restaurant ever. Like if you just... The whole episode, if you watch it, is just gold because they fire someone on camera. They're always yelling at each other. Customers have sent back food like on camera again. 
they it, like the, the the lady has like a mental breakdown and i swear like has just issues in general and just like freaks out when someone calls her just wrong and then the the other guy owning it is an italian and there's a whole rumor and i think he actually got in court for it being a money laundering scheme for an italian like it is an insane thing for the humble town of scottsdale arizona and it's just like the whole you do you, like if you ever have any free time i think it's like 30 40 minutes it is like the best kitchen nightmares ep- episode ever because it is just sadly hilarious like they yell at Gordon Ramsay. The poor waitress gets fired. They learn about the waitresses being like cheaped out on their tips and the and li- again live on camera. Like you can't write this crap. Like I don't know because I have my whole thing about reality shows somehow more, being more written than we think the, think we are. But there is no way they can write this stuff. And the owner was even in court for like real life because of an like a laundering scheme or something with the company. And it is just terrible gold terrible gold the best part of all this terrible gold was i think their facebook page and their uh the response to the the uh all the press this got um like people were going on their facebook page and there was wonderful absolutely insane rants you know what i'm gonna uh for the sake of the show notes i'll try to pull those up but uh it is yeah they started insulting their customers amy's baking company i think their facebook is probably gone now facebook Oh, sorry. I was dictating that into my microphone. <laughs> oh my gosh, Brian! Oh god. Oh. oh, here we go. Here we go. It's a. Oh god, I hate patronizing BuzzFeed, but here's a, a BuzzFeed article, um, <clears throat> featuring lovely. They're shots. still on Facebook. How are they still on Facebook? Who goes there? Oh wait, that's a different. Oh no, it's them. Last post, May fourteenth, twenty thirteen, with the insane looking girl and the Italian. Now it just feels like we're going down a hate crusade. Yeah, I feel like this episode is the epitome of um, bad podcasts. No, no, (laughs) no. Like this one episode of Kitchen Nightmares is the epitome of um, of uh, like bad restaurants. No, like hate watching. Um, There was a thing about this on, I I guess, Clockwise or Overtime. Some other podcast I listened to. They were talking about like why people watch shows that they hate. Like I know people that watch The Bachelor despite admitting it's a god-awful show. They like to laugh at it, and I feel like this is the epitome of that. Um, yeah, yeah, people say that like about keeping up the Kardashians. Like, oh, it's because they're so stupid. I'm like, guys, most of this is scripted, believe it. But yeah, this this is just something that is just an amazing hate watch that is just kind of uh, terribly hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they... Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to think and I lost my train of thought and then it came back. It went off on the rails of a crazy train. Title. Oh. That was last week's title, Kyle. Okay. So they, um, uh, uh, okay. So the the episode aired and they uh, posted, Sammy and I will stand strong through the oppression that has been thrown at us. We ask that our supporters keep us in their prayers through this rough and unjust time in their lives. And like, this is not rough. This is not unjust. Um, then in all caps, we do not need this, you stupid people. America is about wrestling. It is not a big deal. The cakes we offer are expensive because we have to repackage and ship. Do not blame us if you cannot afford us. Um, so It's just so great. It almost seems like a whole... Like one of those weird art things like, oh, this was an art thing in retrospect. It was supposed to be comedy and it's just, it is just, it was terrible. I am not famous anymore. I am not famous anymore. This one was my favorite. Uh, This is Sammy. I'm keeping note of all the names here. We will be pursuing action against you legally and against Reddit and Yelp. Yeah. (laughs) Reddit, they're going to attack Reddit and Yelp and... uh, 
Yeah, we should probably not go to But Grace, basically, again, Arizona is only full of bad news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except it's... for running around llamas and, I don't know. Yeah, sorry to bring down your great supporters. square state. That it's, uh... it's actually not a squ- I'm in a square state. Well, I'm in a square state with a cutout corner right now, but mm. Arizona is not too much square because the Colorado River is terrible to it. With the what river? The Colorado River. I'm sorry, one more time. The Colorado River. Colorado? Runs... Colorado? Color... How do you say it? Colorado. Colorado River. I say Rado. I say Rado. Uh, Colorado River that runs along the border. I thought you were going to like say, oh, it's Colorado and Arizona. I'm like, yes. I've, no, I've no. I've Colorado. Like, um, what's that <sighs> animated movie called? Road to Blank? Kyle. Come on. Road to Rupert? No, Road to El Blank. El Blanco? Nope. El Dorado. Okay, so you agree it's Otto. El Dorado. No, that, that, that's Dorado. That's not Colorado. Oh, God. That's how I have my desert. I don't know my desert. I, that's how I've always said it. Like, okay, it's been an hour. I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, I think we are done. I was going to say, I don't want to. I was trying to cut it short, and then we go on the Amy's banking ramp. And, oh, 